It's time once again for another episode of Planning Successfully. Brought to you by the law firm of Davis, Matthews, and Quigley. Planning Successfully is for general information purposes only. And no information discussed during this show is to be considered either legal advice or legal opinion. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host for today's episode, Matthew Theory. Welcome and thank you for joining us for this episode of Planning Successfully. I'm your host, Matt Theory. I'm joined in studio today by two of my colleagues, Lee Drake and Elizabeth Lindsay. Welcome, Lee and Elizabeth. Thank you. Uh, Lee and Elizabeth and I are all shareholders with the law firm of Davis Matthews and Quigley. In case you're listening for the first time, my practice focuses on business law, business litigation, and fiduciary litigation, as well as providing... Hey, I'm Andy, and I started Harry's, the shaving company that's fixing shaving. At Harry's, we keep it simple. We make sharp, durable blades and offer them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We obsess over quality so much that we do crazy things, like buy a German razor blade factory. So give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for only three bucks with free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter five at checkout. That's harrys.com, code five. Mediator and arbitrator services. I'd like to take a moment and allow Elizabeth and Lee to introduce themselves and give us a brief overview of their respective practices. Uh, Elizabeth, if you'd lead us off, please. Sure. Um, I'm Elizabeth Lindsay, and I practice family law. I typically represent uh, family members who are close uh, business owners or have um, um, uh, executives who have deferred compensation practice um, executive benefits. And um, so we deal a lot in what we're going to talk about today with um, corporate issues as it affects divorce. Okay, thank you, Elizabeth. And Lee, if you'd please give us a little intro into yourself as well. Okay, um, I'm Lee Drake, and I have uh, been in Atlanta for around 30 years practicing in the estate planning and family succession planning practice. And like Elizabeth, our practice is uh, dealing primarily with uh, owners of closely held businesses, and our job is to help them transition ownership of that business from one generation to the next which uh, involves consideration of all sorts of issues like taxes and uh, shareholder agreements and uh, liquidity planning for, uh, for the ultimate uh, taxes, the state taxes that may be owed at the time of, uh, time of death. Okay, thanks, Lee. You can learn more about the three of us and the other attorneys at Davis, Matthews, and Quigley by v- visiting our website, which is www.dmqlaw.com. Okay, I wanted to give a brief introduction into today's topic and then dive right into the conversation. Today we're going to discuss divorce, disability, and death and how those issues can significantly impact a business. No one really likes to consider the possibilities of divorce, disability, or death. These are often events of personal and business crisis. However, the impact these issues can have on a business can be somewhat mitigated by planning in advance. The goal of today's show is to draw attention to how these issues can create havoc in a business or even destroy a business if proper effort is not devoted in planning. As is the case with most legal issues, being proactive can help avoid a lot of the problems arising out of life's unfortunate events. Uh, With that, I'd like to go ahead and start into the issues involving uh, divorce. Elizabeth, you you oftentimes deal with business owners in in a divorce context or business executives in in the divorce context. Give us a little of an overview or a flavor of some of the issues that you may run into as a business owner or business executive. So when you uh, find yourself in a divorce situation, one of the first questions you're going to have to 
ask yourself is what is marital property and what is separate property? Because the courts will divide marital property. And I tell people generally that's what you've acquired during the marriage from the sweat of your brow. And uh, non-marital property or separate property is what you might have brought into the marriage, been gifted during the marriage, or um, or had a third party give you some um, – or inherited during the marriage. So what happens, I see, in the corporate world with closely held business owners and family businesses is that they may have a really nice piece of separate property, which would not be subject to a division, incident to a divorce, but by their actions through their marriage have created um, a piece of that that may become marital property or all of it may become marital property. So what I find that my business owners have an issue is is uh, determining what they had prior to the marriage, what they might have been given from their family, and have they maintained it separately. And then with all that, you get into all kinds of questions about how do you divide that up and how do you provide liquidity and how do you value it, and those are really complicated issues. So for the business owners that are listening or the business executives that may be listening that have not yet been through a divorce and aren't sure what you're talking about when you're saying separate or marital property, we're talking about concepts of what's, what, what is available in a, in a divorce context to the marriage to be equitably divided between the parties. So you have, your, you have your property division issues, and then you have alimony issues, which are separate from that. And what we're focusing on right at the moment are equitable division so right. the, the splitting up of the marital pie into pieces and dividing it out amongst the two spouses. That's right. That's right. That's what I'm trying to – that's what those terms mean, and I know they're confusing if you haven't heard them before. And it's not typical in a corporate context that you're going to be talking about what you acquired during the marriage or what you had premaritally or inherited. And sometimes these issues can be quite tricky as far as uh, partially separate, partially marital, and the different actions that you could take to change one thing to another, especially uh, separate into marital. Right. And that's one of the things that, you know, if you're a a family business owner and want to pass on your um, assets to your next generation and you don't know if they're going to stay married or not, it's really important to talk to a lawyer to figure out how best to do that, to preserve it as a non-marital asset if that's your intent. Um, And there are ways to do it. But a lot of times people pay no attention to that, and then they find themselves years later um, sorry that they've got a big mess that messes up the entire family business. Right. So we're we're only going to be able to scratch the surface of some of these issues during a half hour t- uh, show today. But you know, let's talk a little bit about what you just led into, which is what types of things can you do to plan in advance to prevent something that's either separate property from becoming marital property, or to protect a business owner from having issues in a divorce? Because as you know, I mean, we've we've both been involved in a fair amount of litigation work in a divorce case. There's a fair amount of discovery, and a lot of business owners don't like when their partners get a divorce because all of a sudden they get a lot of requests for information, documents, and other information that is pretty invasive. You want to know every single thing about every little bit of the business, financials and all. And right. you know, how can you help to uh, prevent some of these issues from being as much of a problem in the future by planning in advance? And I think both you and Lee, you and Lee deal with uh, this, context, this concept in the form of uh, prenuptial agreements and buy-sell agreements within a, in a context. And Elizabeth, you made a good point earlier about having a divorce lawyer look at corporate documents so that you can address some of these issues without unknowingly stepping into the wrong puddle. Uh, so, Lee, you want to give us kind of like a quick overview of, uh, you know, what 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 do you do in a prenuptial agreement? Lee, both of you jump right in on this one. But uh, what do you do in a prenuptial agreement to try to help a business owner avoid m- issues with respect to a divorce? Let, let me give a little more, a little background, step back one step, and sort of give you the 
perspective that I normally am dealing with uh, with clients. Uh, in many cases, we'll have uh, a family that has owned a closely held business, and uh, there are the parents are involved in the business, the children are now involved in the business, and we're doing estate planning on the front end, trying to do what we can to mitigate the estate tax exposure. And in most of those cases, it involves transfer of ownership of that business down to the next generation. And our goal is to do that in the most tax-efficient way. And you have to, in doing that, take into account the possibility that there will be a divorce among the children at some point in the future. Elizabeth, the divorce right now is what? It's at least 50%. 50%. So if you have three children, there's a very good likelihood that a, one of those three children will go through a divorce at some point in, in their life, unfortunately. So what we have to do is not only deal with the client in terms of how do we effectively transfer, efficiently transfer those ownership interests, but also what happens after those interests are transferred. As Elizabeth said, marital property typically does not include property that is transferred by gift to someone. So if I give an interest in a business to a child, the typical rule would be that that interest is not marital property. It's separate, not subject to equitable vision. But unfortunately, as Elizabeth has said, you can convert that into a marital asset. So what we do in counseling these clients is to say, all right, we've got to take into account the likelihood that there's a divorce. So how do we address that? We can go to the child, if, it ha if the child has not been married yet, and say, if there is a marriage, you have to enter into a prenuptial agreement, which will protect the family business from a divorce scenario. If they're already married, then it becomes more problematic. It's difficult to go to a young child who is already married and say, we're going to ask you to ask your spouse to sign a postnuptial agreement, which can be done after the marriage. And that can, in many cases, destroy a relationship. So we try to avoid that if we can, but in many cases, we can't. So if the, if the child says, you know, I'm not comfortable in going that route, then what the parent will typically do is say, well, I'm uncomfortable in making the transfer directly to you right now. So what we can do then is, is impose a trust over that ownership interest. And as long as that asset is held in that trust, it should be protected from a creditor claim, including a divorce, divorcing spouse. So there are levels of protection that we can impose on these transfers. And uh, prenuptial agreement or postnuptial agreement being the first level, trusts being the second level. And if we conclude that, you know, that there's very little likelihood of a divorce or we can take other steps involving shareholders agreement to restrict transfers, then we can make the transfer outright to the child. Same thing applies with people that are in business together that are unrelated. If I'm going into business with someone, uh, I would want to know what would happen to that other partner of mine's ass in, in investment in our business if they go through a divorce. So for business owners that are not family members, a divorce can also enter into the equation as to what would happen to that business if a divorce occurred among one of those owners. And, and we see that a lot. And, and you're dealing with two separate issues here. You're dealing with uh, preservation of the business itself right. and, how, and how the business ownership is structured. So you, you, know, you don't mm -hmm. necessarily want to be a business partner with the, your partner's divorcing spouse. 
Um, but you're also dealing with issues within the divorce of the valuation of the marital estate. So are these a part of the marital estate's one question, and then can the spouse end up with a partial ownership interest in the business is a secondary question. And Elizabeth, I think we were discussing earlier today, uh, usually courts will, will um, appreciate and uh, uphold a restriction in a stock restriction as far as the shareholders agreement goes and, and the sh- share certificates. However, valuation issues are a whole different story as far as the buy-sell. If you, you can agree to sell your your shares back to the corporation in the event of a divorce, and then you could have a valuation set, but the court doesn't necessarily have to respect and honor for the purposes of valuing the marital estate. That's right. And so you can find yourself um, doing a full-blown business valuation that can be extremely extensive. And for your partners, you're finding yourself with every single document that the corporation has, all their tax returns, their business records, their profit and loss statements, their general ledger, uh, just a full disclosure and a disruption to the business to have to produce all those documents. But that happens in the divorce, um, especially if there's not a a carve-out like a prenuptial agreement or some other form of document that um, a trust or something that prevents it from entering into the marital estate. But when you're entering into a business relationship with someone, you need to realize that the in the event of a divorce of one of the partners, there's going to be a huge amount of disclosure. We often have confidentiality agreements to protect the confidence of that information and, and try to protect the other partner's private information, which is really not subject to a, um, a, a, the partner's divorce. But it's a, it's a very time-consuming and very disruptive process um, if you're the business owner going through a divorce. And what we also see is, assuming that the uh, restrictions in the shareholders agreement are respected by the court, then no transfer of those interests can occur to the divorcing spouse, but the owner of the interest could be required to pay that spouse an amount of money equal to their interest in that, uh, marital interest in that asset, which could impose significant liquidity problems to not only that partner, but that partner then is going to turn to the primary source of their income, which is the business, and that can disrupt the uh, the overall structure, compensation structure uh, of the business and can create significant uh, issues among the partners uh, that are not going through the divorce, trying to uh, assist that divorcing uh, co-owner in uh, satisfying his, obliga- his or her obligations to their divorcing spouse. And, Lee, to give you a simplifying example for the listening audience, if, if you have a business that comes in with a valuation of a million dollars and you only have $500,000 of other assets and you've got to divide that out and come up with some capital to pay your spouse because she can't, he or she can't take the corporate interest, then you've got to come up with a way to find the money to, to provide in, in lieu of the stock ownership or the business mm-hmm. ownership. And that, and that creates difficulty within the, mar- the marital case, the divorce case, and it also creates a lot of business issues with the other partners as well. That's right. A lot of these issues, I think, uh, you know, even though, even though divorce probably isn't um, along the lines of death and disability, it does present a lot of similar problems. And, uh, Lee, I think you, you and I have seen in a, quite a few different situations where, you know, you have, you have a business and then you have the estate planning issues and then you have estate ownership and transfer of the uh, business ownership interest to, to the uh, planned beneficiaries and how that sometimes has its, its faults as well. Uh, can you talk a little bit about... How, how if you don't plan ahead of time and you end up having your, your, your spouse or your children 
ending up with a business interest, how that can interplay with the business as well. Well, a, a good example is uh, not only just in the divorce itself, but also the uh, usual case where a divorce occurs with children from that marriage, and uh, the business owner then will remarry, and you have what we call a blended family uh, situation at that point, and you've got children from the first marriage who are looking to the parent to provide a succession plan for them with the parent now married to yet another spouse, and that spouse will also be expecting support from that, uh, from that business asset uh, at the same time. So that can create a significant amount of complexity in trying to plan for the, uh, the succession of that, uh, that business, uh, and it can create significant tax issues for us because um, we end up with uh, being forced under today's tax laws to uh, incorporate the new spouse into the estate plan, uh, which uh, could put the children's uh, interest in that business uh, at risk or at least deferred until the uh, surviving spouse uh, dies. So uh, all of those issues have to be addressed up front, especially in, a, in an intrafamily uh, structure where we're trying to accommodate the needs of the children from the first marriage and the uh, needs of the uh, second and sometimes third spouse. And Lee, you would agree also that that issue is even more complicated when one of the children, whether it be from the blended family or the original uh, children from the first marriage, uh, are involved actively in the business. Uh, you, you have some children that are involved in the business and some children that aren't involved in the business and how you have to deal with not only the ownership structure, but the family structure and trying to preserve some sort of uh, semblance of uh, a family feel to to the family situation. That's right. The sibling rivalry can be a significant uh, issue for families that own a closely held business. And um, trying to assist a, a, a parent in uh, making sure that the business survives uh, by involving the child that has been involved in the business uh, over their lifetime, uh, but then at the same time tr treating the other children who haven't been involved in the business fairly in an estate plan uh, is a difficult thing to do. A lot of times we'll incorporate life insurance into the uh, into the plan to uh, to pay out basically the uh, the children that are not involved in the business. Uh, it's unfair to the employees of the business to put them in the middle of a sibling uh, dispute among who controls that business. So the key to this is to address all of these issues on the front end as opposed to not addressing them and then having uh, all of this occur after the death of really the most uh, uh, controlling person in the, in the whole structure, which would be the, the, the original owner. Uh, they can typically uh, keep those issues at bay, but if they're not there anymore, those issues become very problematic and can put the whole business at risk. Right, so they, they work their entire lifetime for a, a business to, to create, grow, and they have something to pass on in a legacy format. And if they don't plan accordingly, you know, their entire hopes and dreams of what they had worked for all their lives can essentially evaporate in a short period of time. And we have seen it happen right. more than once, unfortunately. And, and you, you see also with uh, you know situations where you, you have folks that try to DIY some of this stuff. Um, you know, Elizabeth, I'm sure you've seen some DIY uh, prenups that just didn't cut muster. Uh, the other side of it also, Lee, you know, you and I have been involved in situations where 
business owners have tried to draft their own buy-sell agreements in the event of a death of a partner and uh, had some life insurance tied to that. And the, the drafting of those documents was not clear. Uh, there was there was ambiguity within those documents. Well, one of the partners unfortunately passed away, and then the surviving spouse was left in a situation with litigating against her husband's former partner in order to uh, to try to obtain what she was supposedly going to get through that process. So, a lot of these issues you can deal with on the front end, but you need to make sure you're dealing with them through somebody that knows what they're talking about and has had done this before, as opposed to trying to uh, DIY this yourself or pull some forms off the internet. Uh, especially with state-specific issues. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Lee and I have have been involved in many cases, even when he's helping me on a divorce case or I'm helping him with address some of these issues. And his is- planning is that um, they're very complicated issues, and you really need to look at it from every state-specific issues and what all is involved. Um, you know, we were talking, when he was talking about active management by some of the children and not the other children, it raises the issue, too, in a divorce case, um, that even if you had the most pristine stock ownership of separate property, if one of those children, adult children, is working in that business, then the the spouse may be able to claim uh, an issue of marital property because of their active management and work in that business. And so, you know, there you're going to need to start addressing compensation and other issues to... Right, whether the compensation is actually the equivalence of what their work is worth or if their ownership interest is a part of that. That's right. And so, you know, this is very complicated. And, um, you know, the best planning is to to deal with it up front. Um, If anything, anybody you know, can take away as a business owner um, is that if you've got a family business, you need to really get your documents drafted well and have somebody look at them from a divorce point of view, from a a death and disability point of view, and an estate planning point of view. And and also a business point of view in the sense if you have a key man that's involved in the business and they have the institutional knowledge of the business, if that person were to, to go through a situation, if they were to pass away, for example, you know, can this business continue on? Has that knowledge been passed to one or more of the other people involved in the business so that that business can continue to run? Is there continuity here, or does this business come apart at the seams because the person that was the business is no longer there? And that's something that we see a lot. Um, uh, I, I, we are more aware of the uh, the interplay between the divorce area and the estate planning area simply because of the nature of our practice. Uh, and we will see in many cases a lot of well-drafted estate planning documents that accomplish the tax objectives but do not accomplish or address the risk of divorce that is out there and in many cases, could impact that planning op- that planning uh, scenario. So, uh, and and vice versa from Elizabeth's perspective. So, um, we we try to um, address that. A lot of the clients uh, dismiss that in some cases because they haven't gone through a divorce. But uh, if you live long enough and have enough children, uh, the likelihood is, unfortunately, divorce will impact your family. Uh, so there's no getting around it, unfortunately. And, and Lee, I think you know that's that's sort of the the interesting thing about all three of these topics with death, disability, and divorce. No one really wants to talk about these issues. These are not the fun topics to address. These aren't you know this isn't I'm growing my business and I'm devoting my time and effort toward the widget I'm making or the idea or the service I'm selling. This is sort of dealing with the stuff on the backside of things to protect and. You know, sometimes, unfortunately, business owners aren't thinking proactively on all of these because they're focused on the business. And that's, that, 
their focus on the business is what makes their business great, but it's also their Achilles heel if they're not dealing with the planning on the, on the front end as well. And, you know, a lot of the, uh, the documents that are available, I think, they're, they're custom to your situation. You know, you, business A and business B could be very different businesses and have very different business needs. They could have very different needs as far as uh, estate planning. They may or may not have a taxable estate today. They may have one in the future. Uh, you know, there are there are a lot of issues that I think are, are very specific to your situation, and I think that's where having somebody with, with a, a firm like ours that has the knowledge on both sides, the estate planning, the business planning, and, and the divorce um, practice, provides a benefit that others may not be able to obtain through other, some other sources. And I think that, Lee, you know, that just drawing out a little bit more on what you're talking about there, I think one of the benefits that uh, I enjoy most about our firm is the team atmosphere that we have. And I think that uh, we all have the ability to rely on uh, practitioners of different experience and different expertise that it basically enhances each one of our own practice areas. Uh, you know, if I have an issue in a, in a business litigation case that involves tax, I know I can walk down the hall and I, Lee is a wealth of knowledge to me. And likewise, Elizabeth, I know you have a lot of tax issues that come up through the divorce, and, and the tax planning group in our, our firm is quite helpful in that sense. The business depth of knowledge helps the divorce. The, the divorce planning helps the estate planning. So I think if you look around our firm and you look at our practitioners, you see that you know there's a very, very good team effort here, and it's a very beneficial uh, team when you're, when you're talking to closely held owners, of, um, closely held business owners and executives that need those types of services. I totally agree. And so one of the things that, you know, we, we do, I think, really well is that when we have a family business and we're talking about um, how we're going to divide up in the divorce and provide for the all these issues, we cover the basis for our clients so that hopefully they won't get whipped, so that hopefully all the issues are addressed. And we've, you know, done a really good job securing those issues for our clients Um because we've been able to use the corporate experience we have and the tax experience we have and the trust experience we have at our firm. And it's a very good team effort that puts out a really good um, comprehensive pro- product for our clients. That's right. And, and, um, and over the years, we've, uh, we have uh, seen a lot of different circumstances that, um, that lead us to uh, be able to provide advice for for a client just starting out in a in a new business opportunity or starting out in a new marriage, and uh, I think that experience uh, lends itself to uh, being able to, as Elizabeth said, provide a comprehensive analysis of what the client may uh, may want to consider uh, and uh, how that could impact uh, what they plan on doing uh, in the next uh, during their entire work lifetime. Right, and so. Lee, you mentioned a moment ago starting out. You know, obviously, if you're considering starting a business, you need to start thinking about these things today on the front end. If you're already in business, it's not necessarily too late for you either. You can go ahead and address these issues. You just have to get a plan in place, and you need to work on that plan to make sure that it's taken care of. Uh, you know, the worst time to try to address this plan is while one of these crisis situations is going on. I mean, you can't, you can't in, in a divorce context, you can't fix the problem in the middle of the divorce. Absolutely not. No, once the, you know, in the in divorce world, if you, once you file for divorce, there are orders in place that you're not allowed to make a lot of changes. And so that can prevent you from doing the planning that you could have done on the front end. And these plans can take years to implement. It's not that someone can come in and we can implement a plan to transfer ownership of a very valuable asset, a business, down to the next generation. 
within the next within a week or two. It takes years to implement these plans, so it's very important to begin the work on the front end and get it and get a system and a plan in place and implement that on a regular regular basis, uh, so that everyone knows the direction that the business is going, the ownership is going and uh, they can uh, adjust their lifestyle accordingly. Right. So whether you're a startup, you're a business that's been in, uh, going on, ongoing concern for a couple of years, and or you're a $50 million a year in revenue, you can still come back and address these issues. It's just being proactive to make sure that you get them addressed ahead of time. Uh, we're, we're running out of time here. I wanted to... Uh, you know, I think, Lee, you just dealt with the fact that, you know, you have varying levels of complexity. Some of these plans go for uh, many years in order to be able to implement the plan. Some of these on a, on a young company, you, you put the plan in place and it implements itself over a period of time. So you don't have as, as much on the, on the long term as you need on something that you're coming back to after the fact. So the more proactive you are, the easier it is to implement. If you come back in later after the fact, it's, it takes more time to unwind a little bit of what you've already done as opposed to doing it from the start. Um, but as you can tell, these issues are very complex, and they, they can vary greatly depending on the specific needs. Uh, we've only really scratched the surface, I think, on some of these issues. I know that each of these issues, really, you could have much more in-depth conversations about each, but with a half-hour show, we're somewhat limited. Uh, I hope we've shed some light on some of these often overlooked but very important issues that have significant impact on a business. Uh, I would like to thank Lee and thank Elizabeth for joining me today and being a part of this conversation. Um, and thank you, the listeners, for uh, joining us on this episode of Planning Successfully. You can learn more about DMQ and its attorneys at www.dmqlaw.com. You can follow DMQ on Twitter at DMQ Law. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Theory. You can reach us by telephone at 404-261-3900. Thanks again, and uh, thanks for joining us, and we hope you will join us again for another episode of Planning Successfully. Thank you again for joining us and our guests on Planning Successfully. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Planning Successfully. Brought to you by the law firm of Davis, Matthews, and Quigley. Planning Successfully is for general informational purposes only and no information discussed during this show is to be considered either legal advice or legal opinion. To connect with the show sponsor, visit dmqlaw.com. And to listen to previous broadcasts, visit planningsuccessfully.com. Hey, I'm Andy, and I started Harry's, the shaving company that's fixing shaving. Here's why some of our customers choose Harry's. The blades are about $2 each. I get a nice, clean shave every time. The blades stay sharp for plenty of shaves. Thanks, guys. And for everyone else, give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter easy at checkout. That's harrys.com, code easy. There's nothing more important for your health and well-being than having a good sleep. The experts at Haverty's can help you find the perfect Scott Living mattress for everyone in your family. Haverty's Furniture is partnered with Drew Scott and Jonathan Scott to offer Scott Living mattresses. Now $250 off through President's Day. Plus, when you visit a store, you can expect no pressure, just support. From Haverty's Sleep Experts. Tap now or visit Haverty's.com to find a location near you.